0: you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life. Body, business, bank account, boys, and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello, hello, my amazing princes and the beers. As always, take a hot second of gratitude and thank yourself for choosing content that enriches, expands, and sometimes challenges. Your perspectives, your beliefs and your behavior so that you can achieve your next level so that you can continue to grow because sometimes growth is uncomfortable and this is an uncomfortable, uncomfortable topic that for for many of you that I know who uh, are listening struggle with. And if you cannot tell, my voice is a little extra raspy because for four days, I was speaking over very loud music, talking to thousands of people um, at the Influencer Summit. And I was also then at the National Achievers Congress, which was amazing. So I've been around a lot of people doing a lot of cheering and a lot of screaming, a lot of dancing, if you've seen my Insta stories. And it was so much fun. And at the same time, my voice is is a little tired so but at the same time this message was way too important after coming back and in between all of that i was coaching some extraordinary clients and this theme came up and i had to address it on this podcast because here's the thing the disease to please is insidious it is like a cancer for your dreams and your relationships, and your happiness, and your fulfillment. When you're living for other people to like you and to love you, it causes you to show up as what they want to see, not as who you actually are. So it's actually a lie and you're doing them a massive disservice because you're not also trusting that they're gonna love and accept you for all the amazingness that is you as you are right now. You see, this was something that I struggled with for most of my life. And the thing is, when you are living for someone else, when you are living to please someone else, you are not actually living your own life. What a sad state of affairs it would be to look back on your deathbed and say, I wish I had been more authentic. I wish I had really gone for it. I wish I had had my dreams. I wish I had said, yes, I'm doing this instead of pleasing everybody else on the planet in order to get it. Because I guarantee you, everybody else is going to have an opinion and it's probably going to be different than everybody else's opinion. And so you'll never please everybody. You won't. You got to give yourself the permission though to not live for other people. I struggled with this a lot when I was in high school. When I was in high school, I was a straight A student. I was, I would beat myself up if I got a B. I was in three AP classes in my senior year. I was in one honors class. I was college bound. I was so geared on this path of perfection that I thought was what I should do. And I was ensuring that I was miserable because none of that was in any way related to what I actually wanted to be doing in the world, which was making an impact. And back then, it was through the the lens of being in Hollywood, of being an actor and a writer in Hollywood. And the thing was, was I was making myself miserable because I had this perception that I had to be perfect. And boy, did I play it off well, because when I shared my story on Facebook um, a couple years ago about the depression I was in, meanwhile, I had like I was getting good grades. I was Struggling in some classes, but I was making it work. I was the drama club president, of course, like very Rachel Berry, very Rachel Berry uh, from Glee. I was the lead in the musicals. I was the lead in the shows. And yet I was miserable. Why? Because I was living somebody else's life. I was living the life that I thought my parents wanted me to live. I was living the life that I thought my parents wanted me to have straight A's. And this goes even deeper because I thought back then that if I got good grades, if I got was a, uh, a straight A student, if I was top of my class, then my dad would stop drinking. Mm-hmm. Then he would notice me. Mm-hmm. Then he would acknowledge me in the way that I want to be and like to be acknowledged, which is words of affirmation. But that wasn't the case. So I was living my life to please him to try to get him to notice me, to get him to say that, I, hey, Kim, you're good enough. And the funny thing is, when I was driving my dad to rehab three months, uh, three months ago, I had the conversation and he's like, Kim, I don't know, ever understand why you never thought you were smart enough or good enough. It, he's, he said, it shocks me. It astounds me. You're so smart. You're so capable. And I was like, oh my God, I wish I'd heard that like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but okay. Um, Glad that it's coming out now. Glad that we're having this heart to heart now. But the thing is, is that I was living my life from that space of not being enough. And when you really live your life from that space of not being enough, you are people pleasing and acquiescing to other people's desires. And sometimes it's not even true. Sometimes it's a whole built-up story that you have in your mind. and I'm going to take off my sweater right now because I am like burning up in our little studio. But sometimes it's not even true. It is a story that you've had in your mind that you have built up. And it's also because you haven't been speaking the truth of what you perceive to be true. The greatest gift my mom gave me was when she saw me in high school and she drove me because she drove me all the way up until senior year until I got my license when I was 18. Um, She saw me crying nearly every day going to school. I was miserable living somebody else's life. I was miserable trying so hard and things that really weren't aligned and congruent with who I was and who I wanted to be. And she said, Kim, you don't need this. She said, Kim, you will be successful no matter what. I know you. You've got more drive in your pinky than most, than most people have in their whole body. Now, thats I don't believe entirely that. I think many of us are very driven. We're just too busy living somebody else's life, so we're driving in the wrong direction. <clears throat> but But when she said that, she then said, if you need to drop out, you can drop out. And my little 17-year-old heart was like, what? What? Drop out of high school? Like, be a high school dropout? And at the same time, it was the most liberating permission I had ever had to not be so hard on myself. And here's the thing. You can drop out. You can blow it all up. You can do you, you can change yourself. You can change your identity. You can change who you've been. One of the great stories on a podcast that I love is um, Ed Milet had Charlie Rocket on. And Charlie Rocket was this big dude, like big dude. And he was uh, a manager, I think he was a manager, a music manager. He was like high in the, the hip hop and music world. And he was a big dude. He didn't party, but he definitely ate his feelings. And he admitted to that. Um, and then he just had an identity shift to where he said, I'm no longer going to be Charlie Rocket Music Man. Like to, to 50, 50 cents and to others. I, I know I sound so white saying that. So white. Um, and, and he said, I'm, I am I want to be an athlete. I want to run a marathon. Now, this guy was like massively overweight And yet at the same time, he said, I'm doing this. And he broke it down into what was tangible. And he started defining his identity as an athlete. When you've been living your life for somebody else, you don't know who you are. You don't know what you want because you are putting yourself in the cage of perfectionism, trying to be perfect for someone else, which causes you to chip away and be a chameleon. So that you hide all of the amazingness that you are. This is one of the th- re- <clears throat> <clears throat> This is one of the reasons why I say that Spike, my husband, was my experiment in honesty because I was so freaking good in doing this in relationships. I was so good. I so desperately wanted to be loved and I didn't want to be in another relationship where I was cheated on or left for somebody else. Or, or, um, or abuse. Like, I didn't want to be in another relationship like that. So I said, well, I've been a chameleon in several relationships where I've chipped off parts of myself, hid parts of myself in order to please the other person. And I said, when that prayer, when I went to that networking mixer and I met Spike, I was so honest, and I have always been honest. I have told him things that most men would run away from, but my husband is fortunately very secure in himself. And he knows what he has to offer the world, especially in relationships, and he's damn good at it. And the thing is, is that I showed up fully, authentically, and unapologetically about who I am, what I want, and what I'm doing, and all Spike did was he did this—he um, clasped. I, I wish you could see. He clasped his hands, and he lifted. He lifted, and he did this motion, and it's a cheerleading motion. It's what you do to um, boost people up to get them up on on the pyramid of in, in cheer. Both my husband and I were both cheerleaders, so it makes sense. And so when he did that, suddenly I was like, "Holy shit!" Not only was were, are you a were, were you a cheerleader. And we still are like we're not building pyramids in our home, but like we cheer people on. That's like what we do on a regular basis. He also he also got me. Whatever I whatever goal it was, whether it was building my e-commerce business, being a top notch Pilates instructor, writing my film, whatever it was that I wanted to go creating crown yourself. He cheered me on because I went for it unapologetically which also meant that I would never blame him for me holding myself back and that's the thing and he coming from his past relationship knew what that felt like and so he allowed me and it's of course the only behavior that I would accept and tolerate because you do get what you tolerate so if you tolerate being the only one in your relationship who sacrifices, then you're going to continue to be the only one in your relationship who sacrifices until you demand and have the courage to stand up for yourself and for what you want and for what you really want. And I know this all too true because in my first marriage, I did not stand up for myself, for what I wanted, for who I was. I was so desperate to be loved and liked and admired that I conformed and changed and chipped off parts of myself so that my ex would like me, so that he would love me. He didn't see how ambitious I was. He did and whose fault is that if somebody doesn't know who you really are what you really want what you really desire whose fault really is that it wasn't his fault it was mine I will never forget my ex deployed two weeks after we eloped and it was like two weeks It was very short time like we never lived together combined finances all of that it was like very much a marriage on paper and of the heart um, and we were having a conversation and I met my ex right after I would gotten my my script produced and I was working full time and he loved having a woman who worked like he loved that like <laughs> that was his thing but I was like I didn't just have a job I had a purpose I had an ambition and I wasn't quite sure what it was But it certainly wasn't teaching Pilates 10 hours a day. I love teaching Pilates, but I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do full time for the rest of my life. I was still figuring it out. I was still like 23, 22. And that's okay. You can still have permission no matter what age you are to figure it out. You still have permission. But I was just allowing myself to try. To try. My alarm just went off reminding me to to play with the universe. So let's play. So my, my desire to be loved, though, was clouding my ambition. The thing was, was that when my ex deployed, and he was gone for nine months, about four or five months in, I had that space. I had that freedom, not freedom from, from the relationship, but I had space where I was no longer managing a relationship on a day-to-day basis I mean he was deployed he was on a ship like we had very limited communication and I had space to think about really what is it that I want and I missed acting I missed performing I missed trying on roles and I still didn't know if it was acting entirely or if it was what I thought being an actress would bring me which was impact which was having a voice that mattered. And deep down that's really what it was. But I remember getting on a phone call with him and I hadn't spoken to him in a, in a in a week or so or a couple weeks like 10 days or something. And I said, "You know what? I I really miss I really miss acting." I I and his I'll never forget where I was. I was standing in the corner of my apartment. It was a midday because he call- he knew to call me in the midday because I would work from five to ten in the morning teaching Pilates, and then I would write and and maybe do do auditions. I had started going out on auditions in the afternoon again, and then I would go back to work around five and then work till like nine or ten. Like my hours were crazy, and because those were also the peak times to teach Pilates. By the way, for all my Pilates and yoga instructors, like early morning, late night, you get the you get the nine to fivers and that was the moment i was standing there and he called me in the afternoon and he knew i would be on my my midday break in my apartment and i said you know what <clears throat> i really miss acting i really i really miss that creative outlet and he said wait so you want to be a writer A business owner, a wife, a mother, a Pilates instructor, and now an actress too? How are you going to do it all? And it was in that moment that I realized, oh my God, he doesn't know me. Not fully. Not 100%. And whose fault was that? It was mine. I hadn't let him see how deep And how powerful my ambition was. I hadn't let him see certain parts of me because I so desperately wanted to be loved. And I chose that relationship because I knew he was the type of man who would never leave me. And it took all the courage I had to leave that marriage, to leave that relationship. But the thing was, was that I had chosen that relationship from a place of fear. I mean, who chooses a relationship because, oh, at least he'll never leave me. At least he'll never cheat on me. That was my baseline. Both of those are rooted in fear. Instead of. The amazing relationship that I now have with Spike. And it was only, it was only because I showed up 100% authentic me. Hashtag this is me greatest showman style. Like this is me. Here are my flaws. Here are the things that I'm struggling with. I did not back down from those conversations that I needed to have with him. When he when I mean, my husband is 19 years older than me. I had the courage and the audacity four weeks into our relationship to say, I, to, I knew I was falling in love with him. I already was. And I, and I also knew that I would be okay. There was something in my gut that said, if he leaves me, if this relationship doesn't go anywhere for this reason that I'm about to share with you, if this relationship doesn't go anywhere... For this reason, I know that I will find someone because I have found me. I found who I was, who I wanted. And so I told Spike, one day I said, you know, do you want kids? And I knew that in his first marriage, he and his ex-wife had chosen to not have children. And that was seven, eight years ago. So there some time had passed. I didn't know if that was a thing that he would want. But for me, children were a non negotiable for the man that I marry. And I saw that and and I knew that having that conversation could break us. Because I would not allow myself to fall in love with someone who would not be able to give me everything that I wanted. And I'm not saying give me everything I wanted, like money or things like that. But like, really love me on that level and then have that intimacy of having a child together and he said yeah with you I could see having them and so I said, great, let's name them. I literally like sat him down the next day and said, so, you know, remember that conversation like that we had yesterday? Um, let's name our children. <laughs> like I was that audacious because I wanted to be so crystal clear that I was declaring what I wanted. And it is a practice. It is such a practice to, to start declaring what it is that you want and knowing that you are worthy of what it is that you desire. If I had continued to have my relationship with Spike, if he had not been okay with having children, then I would be living a complete lie and I would have caused myself even more pain and even more loss of time than if I had just been open, honest, and real. And so many of us compromise what it is that we actually want because of the desire to be loved. And this is not just for your romantic relationships. This applies to what you post online for your business. This applies to you having the courage to be vulnerable. And here's the great thing about being vulnerable. When you are vulnerable, when you own what you want, how you want it, what you desire, what you want to create in this world, that shame starts to go down. Like literally scientifically studied. Shame goes down when vulnerability goes up, but you got to be courageous to be vulnerable. And this applies to every area of your life. When you are holding back, when you are restraining your voice because you want to people please everybody and want to make everybody feel cozy and comfortable, you are making yourself feel discomfort. Because your soul, your highest self, knows when you're holding back. It knows when you're not speaking your truth. It knows when you're not showing up fully engaged in all that it is. And it knows like crazy when you are faking it until you make it. And I know because I was the expert at it. I was an expert at faking it until I made it. That's why when I posted about my depression in high school, every single one of the people who I went to high school with was like, oh my God, Kim. Really, you struggled with that? You struggled with an eating disorder? You struggled with And it's because I looked so freaking good. I was really good at putting on that happy face and walking around and smiling. And it wasn't that my smile was inauthentic. It, it, it wasn't that I actually wasn't happy to see those people that I would greet in the hallways. But what it was was that my soul was crumbling on the inside because I was not being true to my dreams, to my desires, and to what I really wanted. I was taking classes and things that I wasn't even interested in in order to have a higher GPA. And I was doing that for the wrong reasons. I was doing that to try to impress my dad for some reason so that he would think I was smart enough so that he he would stop drinking. Yeah. And you think that sounds crazy, but I I guarantee you I've worked with enough people to see the, the pattern that it always traces back to people pleasing for one person not necessarily many normally it's 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 really not many it's one person there is one person in your life who you compromise for and here's the thing about compromise compromise is not creating a win-win situation it is not creating a win for you and a win for the other person it is creating a win lose and commonly when we are when our default status is to people please then a win-lose makes us the loser because we're okay with losing if the other person can win because if the other person wins, then they'll love us, right? If that person, that hater on, on Instagram wins, then maybe they'll love me, right? The thing is, no matter what you're doing, there will be pushback. And you've heard the phrase that people like people who are like them. The thing is, is that when you change and grow into a more courageous, bolder, more motivated, more driven, more purposeful person, there will be some people in your life that will not match that because they do not see that same drive, that same courage, that same confidence within themselves. And it is up to you to love yourself enough to know that no matter what, you are enough. Like I said, leaving my ex was one of the hardest things that I have ever done. But I knew that I could not step in to who I was really meant to be if I was in that relationship. I could not live with this much courage, with this much confidence, with this much boldness to say what I say and to do what I do to challenge my clients to rise into their highest and best if I was still in that relationship. And that was frickin' hard. And it wasn't just hard for me, but it was hard for every single person that was supposed to be coming to our wedding when he got back from deployment. It was hard for me to be that person who said, yeah, this relationship, this wedding is not gonna happen. And it really was one of the hardest things that I've ever done, was not people pleasing someone that I loved because I knew that I had to stand up for my truth. I knew that I had to stand up for what I wanted and what I wanted was so much more. What I wanted was authenticity. What I wanted was courage. What I wanted was confidence. What I wanted was to boldly go for my dreams and know that I was 150% supported in what I was doing. And I had to find that support within myself, not in any other person, not in my mom, not in my dad, not in Spike, because he wasn't in my life at that time. I had to find that courage within myself. I had to find my voice outside of a relationship because in romantic relationships, for me, I was very skilled it acquiescing and people pleasing and chipping off parts of myself i hid i hid many parts many parts here are some parts that i hid uh the weird side like i am <laughs> i am weird like there are certain things that i do wacky voices like silly antics sometimes i bust out into dance breaks like these are things that not normal people do um and some men that I had been with did not appreciate it. I had to cut off and chip away and dial down my ambition because it was threatening. I had to um, dial down my creativity. I had to turn up certain things like Cooking? I don't cook. I really suck at cooking. I really do. I'm I'm able to follow a recipe, like I'm a big girl. I can follow directions, but I have burnt pans and created alchemy with them. That is why I needed to find a man who could cook, which was Spike. Um, I was very skilled at not saying what I wanted. I remember being in one relationship, and I remember looking over at my boyfriend at at the time, and he. Was on his computer working away and I was in the kitchen and I was like, oh, my gosh, this isn't like I want to be the one who's on my computer. I want to be the one doing the work like I want to I, I don't want to be a little Missy in the kitchen like that's just not me. And I am so grateful looking back on all those relationships because it showed me exactly what I didn't want. It showed me what I didn't want to experience. It showed me how I didn't want to be. They were the most fantastic mirrors for who I was at that time because the person you choose as a romantic partner is a representation of your unconscious mind. It's per- the, the rule of perception is projection. So you are perceiving your subconscious when you look at your partner, when you look at your your significant other, when you look at that person that you're in a romantic relationship with. And when I saw my ex, I saw my own insecurities. I saw my own fears, my own desire to people, please, because that was reflected in him. And when I started changing my identity into being a person who was stronger, who shared her voice unapologetically, who stated what she wanted and how she deserved to be treated because you do get what you tolerate. And that's when, because he wasn't growing with me, we started to grow apart. And this is not just for romantic relationships. I have seen this with my own audience. I have seen this with my mentor's audiences, that the people who supported and followed them in the beginning, as they got more and more successful, there were those people that initially supported them started to fall away, started to unfollow them. Why? Because they were no longer seeing themselves, their insecurities, their fears reflected in that person. I've seen that with my own audience. As I've stepped up into a bolder, more confident, motivated, unapologetic version of me, some people, yes, I've gotten more followers. And also, I've had people unfollow me. I've had people unfriend me. I've had people tell me, oh, I shouldn't say certain things about mental health or about um my family or things like that because they were not seeing something that was familiar to them. Being vulnerable, being real was not familiar to them. Being authentic and sharing your voice with confidence, trusting that you are enough was not something that they saw in themselves because that was something that they were not doing. And if I still had that people pleasing part of me, then I would have brought myself down Hiding my voice, not sharing my authentic self for them, rather than acknowledging that they are where they are and that's okay. It's okay that they aren't able yet to, to be vulnerable. It's okay that they're not in a place yet where they share their voice with courage and they, they allow their shame to surface and let that shit go. It's okay that they're where they are. And it's okay that I'm where I am in my confidence and being able to share openly and authentically. It's okay. But I will not sacrifice my soul, my heart, my drive, my purpose for their self, for their ego, for their own stuff that they got going on that's preventing them from really sharing openly and authentically and being vulnerable I would be doing such a massive disservice to you to my clients to my message to all the people that I am blessed to serve and all the many millions of people that I will be serving if I were to stop changing and start changing myself to please others. There will always be someone. Who will be a critic. But the thing is. Is that they don't build statues to critics. They build statues. Of the people. Who are courageous. Enough. And bold enough. To go for their dreams. To be unapologetic about what they want. And who freaking go for it. So please. If you take anything from today, start living your life for you. And it's not for you. Let me just be clear. It's not for your ego. It's for your mission. It's for your purpose. It's for that thing that all of your life experiences have, have trained you and groomed you to do, be, and say. Because I would not be here if it wasn't for the choices, the experiences and overcoming people pleasing that I did for 10 plus years throughout my late teens and early 20s. I would not be able to share this message had I not gone through that cycle and come out on the other side and tell you, queen, king, it is so much better when you are ruling your kingdom from the throne instead of having other advisors or other council ruling it for you. And you've seen the movies. You've seen the movies, I think it was Elizabeth, where um, where they have the council who are all trying to put the bug in the ear and manipulate and control the queen. I think that's been the storyline of Elizabeth, Mary Queen of Scots, uh, Queen Victoria, the crown, like The people are trying to put the bugs in your ear, but it is up to you as the queen or king of your life, ruling your kingdom, ruling how you want to rule, to decide, is that advice that is appropriate for you, for your soul, for your highest mission? Because here's the thing. Monarchs believe and believed in the past that they were ordained by God to rule. Why are you no different? you have a purpose, you have a desire, you have something that was planted in your heart to do, to create, to say. You have a voice that is so important that you share with the world, but it will not be shared if you are people-pleasing and acquiescing to what other people want you to say, probably because they are too scared to share their own voice, to share their own mission. That's why I love what Trent Shelton said about haters. At Influencer, he said, haters are just confused supporters because they're just jealous of what you're doing. Because deep down inside, they want to be doing what you're doing. So they're just confused supporters. So it's up to you, as the king or the queen of your life, to rule authentically, openly, vulnerably, and to just freaking be real. Stop putting on the mask that everything is fine and show your face your true face to the world and I will say this in your intimate relationships sometimes that is the hardest because of the fear of them rejecting you of the fear of them loving you and my question to you is this if you do not allow them to see all of you one you're prejudging them and it's actually a pretty low ball judgment by the way it's a pretty low judgment that you don't think that they are smart enough, capable enough, or, or respect you enough to cheer you on. Wow. That's a low ball judgment. And two, ask yourself if you aren't allowing yourself to show up and speak up for what it is that you want in your life and in your relationships. and for who you really want to be, then do they really love you? Or do they love the representative that you have brought to the relationship? Do they love the representative of who you have shown yourself to be? That perfect, put-together person? Because that's where relationships get into trouble. When people fall in love with your representative rather than who you actually are. When Spike and I first got together, I did not send a representative. I sent myself and he sent his self. And so there were no masks. There was no mitigation between two representatives trying to pose their kingdoms as being the best. It was just, this is me. This is who I am. This is how I rule. This is who I'm looking to become. Are you sending your people-pleasing representative into your relationships, into your business, into your community, rather than showing up authentically, vulnerably, and courageously and boldly as your best authentic self. You are enough as you are right now, and you can keep growing and you can keep improving. You just have to know what you are improving toward. Because if you don't make the choice, if you allow others to make that choice for you, then you're in for a lot of pain. Because after a while, you'll realize that your representative has not been representing all of you. And it causes resentment. And if I can save you that pain through this podcast, through coaching with me, if I can save you that pain by encouraging you now, to show up 100% as who you are. No masks, no fakey, fakey till you makey. But this is who I am. Yes, I've got struggles. Yes, I've got challenges. And you know what? I am perfect as I am. And I am also perfecting as we go. Amen on a Thursday. And with that, my fellow Empire Builders, if you love this episode, please take a screenshot Share it with me in a DM, in your stories, post it in your stories, and tell me what your takeaway was. I love seeing them. I love getting your breakthroughs. And if I can support you in any way with showing up fully, boldly, courageously as your best authentic self, I have a few spots left for private coaching for the end of 2019 and my prices are going up in 2020 for private coaching. So if you're looking to save $5,000, then jump in on a one-on-one consult with me now and I am excited to serve you and support you and at the end of that consult, if I feel like we're a right fit to continue on, then I will present you with a few opportunities with the 2019 prices to save you like several grand. So if that is something that you would love to do, then I so look forward to supporting you in ruling authentically, wholly as the amazing badass empire builder that you are at your soul and at your core. I love you so, so much. And as always, own your throne. Mind your business. Your reign is now. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.